My name is Leroy Larry and welcome. Natural physics will explain in down-to-earth scenarios how the principles of physics could have come about from observing nature. Each episode begins with a scenario followed by an example to illustrate the application of these principles in futuristic research at the frontiers of science such as my astrophysics research and then concludes with an exploration of how these same principles could have very well been used by ancient cultures and civilizations. Mathematics is naturally encountered and incorporated as the exciting and fun tool of science that it is. Science is the window into our amazing world of nature and mathematics is the tool to open that window. Natural physics encompasses current, futuristic and ancient physics and ties them together by the principles of physics that are common threads running throughout each. Greetings. I'm Leroy Larry and welcome to Natural Physics, live from Costa Rica. My guest today is Mariela Bonilla. Hello, Mariela. Greetings. Hello, Leroy. How are you? How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm great, too. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Mariella, um, your question last week, it, it, it haunted me about what did the slaves do after they were freed? Uh, I mean, it's a very personal question. I mean, it, you have the history books and what you know how what's the word his story right history his story the history of the culture that has conquered or what have you that that's who writes the history books and your question just said from a very personal level it posed the question as a human being where you've been programmed to act in a certain way and all of a sudden that's gone and what do you do? And what I wanted to do was I wanted to take a little time to expound upon that in view of, okay, July 4th coming up is Independence Day in the United States. Excuse me, And July yes. 4th is also my birthday. Oh, <laughs> well, then we need to introduce, we need to introduce you to Tom Cruise and you know, that movie born on the 4th of July or, or oh, was that a uh, Bruce? No. Oh, Bruce Springsteen song, right? Born on the 4th of July. And I, th there was a right. movie, right? Okay. then. <laughs> right on Mariella. Wow. Oh, well, happy early, early, happy early birthday. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I know in the United States they celebrate my birthday as big as they can. I know. Let me every year. Okay, let me <laughs> let me try my Spanish. Okay. Feliz Proxima Cuplianas para Excelente. Okay, gracias, Mary. I know you <laughs> let me off the hook, but thank you. Great. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So with the 4th of July coming up, Independence Day in the United States. Okay, let's look with respect to our previous episode. Okay, <laughs> so now I have, a, I have a magazine here 
I'm going to put it to the camera and I'm going to read the title. It's a National Geographic magazine dated February 2020. And it's the, the cover title is Last Journey into Slavery. And it's about the very fat, the very last slave ship that, <clears throat> excuse me, came to the United States, okay, in 1860. Okay, so now let's do a little timeline here with respect to the previous episode. All right, 1619, the very first slave ship arrived from Africa carrying slaves on the coast of the United States in the state of Virginia. 1619, which is 11 years after the first colony, Jamestown, right? New England. Okay, so only 11 years after the first colony was founded in the New World, we have slaves being brought here, uh, being brought to the United States. 11 years, 1619. Okay, so now let's go forward to 1861. Oh no, let's go forward to 1776. So 1619, first slaves were brought here, were brought to the United States. I will, if, you know, I'm gonna slap myself if I keep making that mistake. I'm in Costa Rica. I am not in the United States. And I'm very happy as such. Okay, so, all right, <laughs> all right. So, 1619, first slaves are brought to the United States. 1776, the United States proclaims its independence as a sovereign country. Okay. 1861, I'm sorry, Mariella? What? Almost 80 years later. Yes, yes. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm just, I'm going to go back and start because I left some out on the timeline. Okay. So 1608, first colony founded in the New World by Europeans, Jamestown, 1608. 11 years later, the first ship arrives carrying slaves from Africa on the coastline of Virginia in New England. Okay, 1776, and as Mariella pointed out, 80 years or so later, the United States announces its independence as a sovereign country. Okay, 1861, the Civil War starts because the United States is divided on the issue of slavery, the issue of stealing a person's identity and forcing them to live a life that was not of their making, taking away their freedom. So that's what the Civil War was about, pure and simple. And just a little side note, isn't it interesting that right now in the United States, 2021, the activities that are going on would reflect that same division over racial issues. That's what's going on. Okay, so back to the Civil War in 1861. Okay, the following year, 1862, the Proclamation Emancipation 
is stated, freeing the slaves. They are free. September 22nd, 1862. Okay. Now, let's go to 1865. The end of the Civil War, three years later, and in June 19th of 1865, the slaves in Texas get the word that they are free three years after the fact. All right. right. So again, in the previous episode, I, I made the off-the-cuff statement that it took a while and I thought it might have been two years. I wanted to quantify my statement. And so we see that, you know, when you think about it, it almost took four years because the Emancipation Proclamation was given in September of 1862, and the the slaves in Texas received the information in June of 1865, which is what, only three months you have a June, July, August, September. That's only three months shy of being, uh, what, four years. So imagine slaving in the fields, day in and day out, no life. I mean, you have a life. You make the best of your life. And, and then you find out word that you've actually been free for about three years. <laughs> right. Okay. I yeah. actually bumped my... It's- yeah. It's really, it's, it's, of course, it's really hard to know personally what they did. But what I wanted to focus on was in general. In general, people get used to what, what they live. If they were slaves, they continue in slavery, no matter if they were already free. You got that right, Muriel. And you know what? Okay, this magazine that I showed earlier. Okay. Right. Now, mm-hmm. it, it talks about the last slave ship to reach the shores of the United States, which is in 1860. So putting that back into our timeline, right, you have mm-hmm. um, the first slave ship arrived in 1619. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you have uh, the last slave ship arrived in 1860, right? One year before the start of the Civil War, okay? Uh, And what's so cool about this article is you asked the question of what did they do? This article talks about the generations that are uh, descendant from those slaves that were on that last ship that arrived on the shores of 1860. And I'll, you know, I'm going to show some pictures because basically what this article does, Mariella, in answering your question, is it, it takes that last slave ship that last slave ship in 1860 and shows what they're doing now. And you, you find out that a lot of the, the newly freed slaves, they founded their own communities uh, with what they had, doing the best they could. And they flourished. They founded their own communities in an alien world. I, I mean, with my 
the way I think it, it would be like being on Mars and, and, and being able to found your own community because everything else around you is alien. And you know what? If you read this article and I'm going to show some pictures from it, you'll find out that they actually, in some of these communities, they oriented their houses to point towards Africa because, I mean, it's the best they could do. They had been stolen, snatched up from their lives and brought to an alien world, basically. That's what I view it as, an alien world. And what did they do? They tried to keep some kind of remote connection to, to their homeland. You know, their cult. Like you talk about the Baruka had the dance with mm -hmm. the devils beating up mm -hmm. on the bull that represented Spain. That's what they uh -huh. were doing. They, they, they pointed their houses towards Africa as to say, hey, we may be in some alien world. We don't know where we are, but we remember our homeland. We remember our culture and we're not going to turn loose of it. So let, just real quickly, let me show you these pages and then we'll, we'll get on with the. So here you have. Uh, these are some of the descendants of those slaves that were on that last ship from Africa in 1860, okay? These are their real life ancestors. Uh -huh. And they tell how they hear the stories that were handed down word of mouth from their descendants. Okay, mm -hmm. and just like when I was talking about how I used to hear references to Timbuktu when I was growing up. So again, this is a National Geographic special edition and it's about that last slavery ship that arrived the on the shores. Right? I'm sorry, Muriel, what'd you say? The magazine was in February 2020s. That's correct. That's correct. Yes. And it's one, it's one of those special editions that National Geographic does. And uh, it's a great article. I mean, the fact that they were able to go back and, and talk to the descendants of the last group of slaves that were brought from Africa to the United States. And, and I mean, is it, you know, talk about word of mouth, right? Right. And, and so, uh, again, your question was so profound about what did they do? And, and I wasn't satisfied with my answer to you yeah. in the previous episode. So, again, there, there you have it, where, as you said, Mariella, people do the best with what they, they have. And, uh, you know, what does what Spock, uh, Spock say in Star Trek too? something about... Uh, living creatures, they mm -hmm. do the best with what they got. And that's what it is. Right. That's what nature is. <laughs> right, right, totally. Uh, okay, so now I wanted to, to, to do that. Uh, and so now what I would like to do is, um, Mariella, there's some things that you've said that have totally intrigued me that I want to go back and revisit because, okay, uh, 
But Leroy, Remember? I would like to ask you something. Okay. Like two or three weeks ago, you showed us a book that you studied, I think, when you were in high school. If I'm not misunderstood. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. It was mentioned and it has a picture of one of the spheres. Right. Did you check or, or do you remember what it says about the spheres? <laughs> okay. Uh, this book, it was, um, it, was, it was by this author named Eric Von Donegan, who he had had a previous uh, book that was a, a sensation. It was called Chariots of the Gods. And what it was about, it was he looked at all the different uh, archaeological sites around the world and connected them to the possibility that the human race had been contacted by aliens in the distant past. And a lot of his arguments are not to be uh, discounted. Some of them are kind of out there, but I mean, just to ask that question is pretty cool. And so um, this book, I think I was probably a sophomore in high school and I came upon it in the books in a bookstore. I didn't know anything about the previous book, Chariots of the Gods, but the title was Gods from Outer Space. And sophomore in high school, I'm all the way comic books, Marvel, DC, oh, the whole deal. So it caught my attention and I got it. And the, the interesting thing about it, Mariella, is I was a sophomore in high school, so I hadn't as yet taken physics. I didn't take physics until I was a senior in high school. My high school in Omaha, Nebraska offered it for the offered physics for the first time my senior year. And so when I read this book, I, I didn't know anything about physics. I hadn't heard about physics, but the material in the book really caught my interest. And and yes, there's a page that shows a picture of a sphere, one of the spheres in Costa Rica. It's not, quote, my unquote sphere that's on the campus of the University of Costa Rica that I'm standing next to. But mm -hmm. it, I think it's probably a sphere in front of the uh, maybe the embassy or something. But it's a sphere of Costa Rica. So evidently, when I was 15 years old, I actually read about the spheres of Costa Rica, but I didn't remember that until I dug the book out and came up, up, upon the picture. And, and so here it is, 15, wow, that's 50 years ago, right? 15 years old, 65 years old, 50 years ago, I wind up coming upon something that grabbed my interest before I became interested in physics. I mean, I knew I wanted to be a scientist, but it wasn't until I took physics that had astronomy in it that I learned what kind of scientist I wanted to be. And, and, and so um, back to what you said, yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, my term again about a cool creepy is the fact that I had actually had, if you want to say it, a contact with the spheres of Costa Rica when I was 15 years old. Um, so, um, uh, Mariella, what I wanted to ask you, I wanted to go back to what you said about mm -hmm. how 
in the community, individual families uh, constructed the spheres. Is, is that what you said? Well, I read in the investigation that they gather in groups, not exactly in families, but the spheres were located in some houses. That's why I concluded that it could be families. So I'm not sure, so, but I concluded it. Okay, so you're thinking that each mm -hmm. family within the Baruka village or a particular village had the responsibility, the, the, the happy responsibility of constructing a sphere. Right. The right. whole fam, <laughs> sorry, the whole family. Mm -hmm, probably. Mm -hmm. And okay. I, I would say that that's why they are in different sizes, probably. Because some of the birds were found in front of houses. So could be, could be a family journey to create the sphere to, to place them, I don't know, as an ornament or to, to worship their guts, right? Right. I have a cool picture to show that actually shows, it's going to show two spheres that are still embedded in the ground and they're lined up with the sunrise, which goes, remember when I was talking about how the other ancient civilizations of the time, such as Egypt and Samaria or Babylon, Assyria, um, Peru, how they all seem to have cued off of the moon in their initial astronomical observations and they got very adept at keeping track of the motion of the moon so with the baruka just naturally i thought maybe they did the same thing i don't know but maybe they had their own deal and uh when you talk about how the individual families all participated in the construction of the spheres and back to your 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 pictures of the beautiful creations the artwork that they did and if i remember correctly you said that one individual was responsible for each of those creations is, is that correct right right that's correct mm -hmm. and you also said that the badukas they had their own way of governing themselves correct mm -hmm. which which right. was could you just i know i'm going off on a little tangent here because see that's what happens i think of things and i talk about them like for example with juneteenth i thought about how long it took for the word to get from washington dc <coughs> to texas and I, I i threw out some dates that i thought were correct but to be a scientist, I wanted to quantify that and go back and make and, and, and find out the date. So when I go off on a tangent a little bit and I say some something that I think if if I'm not satisfied, I will go back and quantify that. But uh, you had said 
when you had said that the Baduka, they govern themselves. Now, do you think that this system of governing was at all connected to the spheres, to the alignment? Because I know the spheres were at the root of their culture. I mean, it was part of their their identity. And, and I'm just right. wondering if if it was tied, their way of governing was tied at all into the spheres. I mean, it might sound outlandish, and you know I wanted to use that word, <laughs> but right. it might sound outlandish, but I'm, I'm wondering, what, what do you think? Probably, probably yes, because they, they wanted to continue with the traditions and part of their traditions are the, their gods, to worship their gods and to, that's their religion. It's not the same that we follow. So probably okay. they continue with the same, with the same customs. And, and it, keeps, it, it keeps striking me how you said that when technology started coming into the picture, the younger generations, they weren't so into the ancient knowledge of how to use the spheres as a as a lunar calendar, as as a way to predict lunar eclipses, and they lost interest. The elders weren't able to communicate with the younger generation, and the 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 encroachment of technology actually led to them forgetting how the spheres were used as a lunar calendar is that correct right correct but also because because some of the spheres were were removed so right. even if they know how to use them they can't right okay and i know i'm repeating myself everybody i just one part is to keep myself in check that i'm remembering all the facts correctly and also new new listeners and viewers to help uh, bring you uh, up to date. So, um, okay, then I have some documents to show that some of y'all out there may be thinking, oh, they're just talking, oh, yeah, it might be this, it might be that, whoop da da da, -da. But there are serious research papers that are devoted to what we're talking about. Uh, Mariella, is scheduled to speak with the head archaeologist of the museum of Na of uh, the National Museum here in Costa Rica, which has been the the home of the spheres and the investigation from day one since they were first discovered. And she has an audience. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mariella. You have an audience to speak with the head archaeologist about the investigation that's going on. Right. He has been very busy, so we haven't talked uh, yet, but, but oh, we will no, understand. Yeah, no, understandably. In fact, mm -hmm. I'm sure uh, my understanding is that he was instrumental in getting the area of the spheres as a UNESCO her her heritage site, correct? Right. I'm mm -hmm. sure. Right. Yeah. Since 2014. Yes. Okay. Protected. So um, remember, everybody, I said that you can find 
almost anything on the internet, world's largest library at your fingertips, except for those. Now here comes another one of my dreams. Uh, and it probably comes from movies, but you know, these old time ancient books that are found buried in some obscure library from the medieval times or something. And they're, they're the ones that have the lock on it, right? Where you have to have a key to unlock them, right? And you open them up and, you know, there's all this, this ancient knowledge, right? So except for that, there's so much that you can find on the internet. And I was able to find one of the original uh, research papers that were written by the head archeologist at the National Museum here. And what I'm gonna do is, I'm gonna slowly scroll through it so you can see the effort that goes into these scientific, <coughs> excuse me, investigations. And there's not a lot of investigations on the spheres. I mean, because they're so unique, I would think there would be more, but hey, that, oops, I hit the microphone. That leaves just more for us. So, but I would say this document is probably the, uh, the authority on the spheres. It was done by uh, the, arche the archeologist right here in Costa Rica. He's from Costa Rica. Mariella is gonna speak with him. And, and my, 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 uh, my goal is just to scroll down to page 17, which is gonna show the latitude and the longitudes of the site where these spheres are located in Costa Rica. Because if you remember, with respect to the lunar nodes that I talked about that other civilizations used to predict solar and lunar eclipses, I thought perhaps one place to start would be to see if the location, the geographical location of these spheres had any kind of connection with the lunar nodes with respect to Costa Rica. So I wanna show that. And then another document I wanna show, and I'll scroll down to page 34, I think it is, is there's a beautiful picture that shows two spheres that are still embedded in the ground and they're perfectly lined up with the sunrise. Uh, I think the solar solstice or one of the phenomena of nature, uh, winter, so summer solstice, or one of the equinoxes, mm -hmm. spring or vernal. But point is this photograph this photograph shows uh, evidence that there is the possibility that the spheres were aligned with events that occurred on the horizon, whether it was the, the rising or the setting of the sun or the rising or the setting of the moon. And as I talked about in the last episode, all the ancient cultures around the world, whether independently or together, they all teed off the moon in terms of their first astronomical object of study. They studied it in detail, became expert at it, were able to predict astronomical phenomena. And mind you, it took millennia of years 
to accumulate such databases where you could actually put together a calendar that worked. So here you had the ingenuity of the human race over thousands of years being able to obtain a database where they could establish a calendar that would predict lunar and solar events, whether Egyptian, Baruchan, Incan, Mayan, uh, uh, Ch Chinese. Uh, I'm sorry. Were you going to say something, Mar right. Mariella? Right. Okay. <laughs> right. The, the also the pyramids, the Egyptian, the um, Italian, and Mexican. They were also created to be for the the, the ancient civilizations to be close to their guts, to have contact with their guts. So we're That's not right. talking about religion, but we're talking about spirituality. And definitely the spheres and the ancient civilizations were trying to be, were built to be close to their guts, to worship their guts. Yes. And, and when you think about the fact that... Pro probably probably to sorry. get some information or, or, or I don't know. Sorry. No, no. Well, you know, when you think about how the motion of the moon was definitely uh, a survival mode where it, it, it told the peoples around the world when to plant your crops and when to harvest them. I mean, the motion of the moon, right? <laughs> survival. And then it developed into astronomy and, oh, wow, I noticed that there was a lunar eclipse uh 10 years ago and now there's another one maybe there's a pattern remember i talked about patterns right you look through your data to find patterns that you can match to mathematical equations and that's our window into our amazing world of nature the mathematical equations but it comes from the science right it comes from experiments or observations of nature as the ancient peoples did so what i want to do is I want to uh, go to, uh, oh, so the first two PDFs are about the spheres. The third PDF, everybody, and I'm just going to put it up for a minute because you can find it on the internet. Remember I talked about the uh, expedition into the Amazon rainforest and the birds and how they had this reddish brown plant that they used to soften the stone to build their nests in this sheer cliff? Okay. Now, I still can't locate where I came across that obscure article that was taken from the log of an exhibition at, uh, exhibition, expedition at the turn of the century, but I found an article, a full-on research article where a scientific group looked upon the possibility of using plant substance to make a cement that softens stone. Full-on scientific research paper published uh, i think it's in the 1980s we'll see when i pull it up but there you go full-on research papers okay here's the first um here's the first uh article so what i want to do is i want to go to page uh let's try page 17 first if you could uh keeper of the document <laughs> oh okay never mind Let's stay here. This is the article I was talking about where uh, somebody has done a research. 
uh, Brookhaven, New York, on using plant extracts to soften stone. And you'll see the date is 1997. I don't know. Can we get, is it possible to bring up the whole document and then just scroll down through it? Is, is that possible? I mean, uh, I guess maybe not, huh? No. I yeah. uh, this docket is uh, about seven pages. So when you say the whole document, which part of it? Uh-huh. Everybody, this is Ray. Hey, he's the keeper of everything. I mean, he's, oh, wow, we couldn't do this without Ray. Member of the Fat Pack. Oh, definitely, right on. Okay, all right, no, no worries. So anybody, if you go on the internet and you type in making cements with plant extracts, this full-on research paper will come up where this group, I think they're at the University of Kansas, I'm not sure, but they actually did research. Oh, yeah, no, it says... University of Bradford, universe, uh, Bradford, United Kingdom. Uh -huh. but Yeah, but I think they were affiliated with the University of Kansas. Anyway, they actually did experiments where they found that there's plant extracts that are actually effective in softening the, su the surface of stone. So here you have an article, 1997, that is talking about knowledge that quite possibly, oh, see, there we go. Okay, see, there's a page from it. Full-on research article, right? But, again, the possibility that the indigenous tribes of the Amazon jungle knew all of this information millennia ago, right? There's your references. Okay, so now what I would like to do, I would like to go to either one of those other PDFs, if possible. But and this, I know the this one is very interesting. Because it says it was, well, it reprinted information from 1981 and 1982. Right, yes, yes. And the, what, the, 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 the 1997, I don't know if that was when it got entered on the internet, but yeah, I remember seeing that, Mariella, early, early right. 80s, right? And this mm -hmm. obscure article I came up, upon that I haven't been able to locate was from a log entered in the late 1800s or the early 1900s, right? Mm -hmm. Interesting, mm -hmm. right. huh? Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Actually, keep... in 1981 is the year when I was born. <laughs> we were talking about Whoa. 40 years ago. Oh, right. wow. Gee, thanks, and, and Mary. Recalling, I already, recalling. I already know I'm, a, I already know I'm an old dude, and you just reinforced that one. Okay, all right, right. okay. Recalling the question that I asked you about the book related to the to the to the sphere, yes. I ask you because we, well, here in Costa Rica, we're not informed or taught that deeply about the spheres. I mean, we learn. I mean, when when I was in high school, I reminded I studied about the indigenous cultures, but not that deeply. We didn't even know about the spheres, or or I don't remember. You know, I don't remember 
have seen them in any book. Wow. And that yeah. goes right that goes right with you telling me that uh the Baduka would like to recapture the knowledge that they once had about the spheres that were lost due to technology. So um again, our show has turned into an endeavor to try to somehow uh, reconstruct this ancient knowledge. I mean, as you said, this is a one of a kind, nowhere else to be found in the world, bona fide ancient enigma. And you remember I talked about how the archeological area is 10 hectares, which, <clears throat> excuse me, and a hectare is, or uh, here I go with my numbers, but I think, uh, well, I know Costa Rica was 51, 000, is 51,100 square kilometers and 10 hectares, I think came out to be a 10th of a square kilometer. So when you think of the percentage that a 10th of a square kilometer is to 51,100 square kilometers, and then you think about the percentage that Costa Rica, 51,100 square kilometers, is with respect to the landmass of the globe, that really says what a minuscule, minute portion of the globe was chosen to do these spheres. And when you said, when you said that peoples from far away as Peru came to the land of the balls to gather with the other indigenous peoples, we have something here. And I wanna to get to these two other PDFs because just like the one I just showed, if we can page through both, there's a lot of scientific information here, a lot of archeological information, but nowhere, nowhere is this stated remotely, hypothetically, theoretically, that the spheres have a connection to being an astronomical instrument that was used by the Baduka or some other peoples to predict lunar eclipses. Nowhere in the literature. So everybody, what we, ha what we have here, and with Mariella talking about how the culture of the people is tied into nature and how they govern themselves and how they were unconquered by the Spanish. We have something that is nowhere else in the world. And Mariella, you saying that maybe they don't, maybe the Baduca don't, Costa Ricans in general, and Baduca specifically don't appreciate the enormously unique phenomena they have that's nowhere right. else totally. in the world. Totally, totally, totally. Egyptians didn't have spheres. The Mayans didn't have spheres. The Incas mm -hmm. didn't have spheres, right? Mm -hmm. The Druids, right. Stonehenge, I can go on and on. The Dogon of West Africa, nobody else in the world had spheres. I mean, come on, this is, this is unique. And here you have a culture that wants to remember what those spheres were about. Oh, oh, this is made to order for us. So 
everybody. I want to go to these PDFs. I want to give you a sample of the research that has been done and the fact that we have a serious unknown here that is not documented in the literature. So, okay. Um, is I it think possible? I mentioned, I, I mentioned that some spheres were colored. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the pink one that you were. Right. Yeah. And they were naturally colored, right? I mean, that wasn't everybody. I got, I got to tell you, Mary Ellis showed me this picture of a, of a yeah. sphere in a neighborhood that was painted by the, by the people in the neighborhood with yes, flowers. And, oh, that's just awful. I mean, they didn't drill, they didn't drill it into is. it or anything, but oh, it was, that it was awful. awful. Oh, but, but you know what? Yeah. I mean, for me, that's awful. But I don't blame them. As I said, we we don't get that information at a school. Probably they just found some rocks, some stones out of their houses, and they said, "Okay, let's color this and let's try to decorate." <laughs> what what an excellent what an excellent what an excellent point, Mariella. You're right. Let me check myself. Yeah, you know they. They didn't know. I mean, it's very possible. I mean, it's like the farmer that had the piece of rock in his yard that told the archaeologists that there's a whole bunch of them up the hill and we go up and get them and use them to build our houses. And they wind up right. discovering Machu Picchu. So I hear you. Right on. Right. Yeah. OK. OK. So, OK, let's get to these PDFs. I want to get to the on one of them. I want to get and everybody you can go and look up. <coughs> You can look up this document on the internet and go through it, but I want to go to the page that shows the latitude and longitudes of the archaeological site. So we have a part, we have a point to start from. Remember I was saying that the first place to start would try to find out where the geographical location of the spheres are, the ones that are still uh, in their original locations. So, uh, this PDF, one of them has that page and the other one has the beautiful picture of the two spheres lined up with the sunrise. So one PDF, I want to go to page 17. The other PDF, I want to go to page 34. So let's see if we can do that. Okay, let's go to 17. For, okay, so this one is 34. Please go to 34. Thank you so much, Ray. Everybody, y'all got to meet Ray. Okay, there we go. Go back, Ray. One more back. There's a beautiful picture of two spheres that are still in their original locations. They haven't been removed. And they are totally lined up with the sunrise. The, the caption down there, um, I'm not sure if it says a particular, like a solstice. Oh, thank you, Ray. Sunrise. Sunrise. Okay. So it's a sunrise. But thank you, Ray. If you can so point is is that here is evidence that these spheres could definitely have been uh connected with ob observations of the rise and the sunset of the sun and the moon. Okay? There we go. All right. Now, Ray, if you would. Please go to the second PDF. 
and let's go to page 17. <laughs> as, as well as the pyramids. The pyramids are oriented right. to the sun. That's right. The Great Pyramid is oriented. The corners of the Great Pyramid in Egypt are oriented to the north, south, east, and west, uh -huh. the cardinal points the cardinal. of the... Uh, okay. Yeah. And, and like you said, on certain celestial events, uh, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. here I go back to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Remember the scene where he's down in the pyramid uh, and he wants, and there's the map of the city of the dead and he's trying to find the location of the uh, lost ark and he has to put the rod in that certain hole and as the sun comes up on that notch in the pyramid and it shines down, a ray shines on the location Excuse the pun, Ray. Hey, Ray, let's get that other PDF up. But a ray, a ray shines down and shows him the location of the, 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 the lost ark. So, Ray, if you please, let's bring up that, that, that second PDF. Mariella, if you would read that second paragraph up from the bottom that talks about latitude and longitude, if you would translate that, please. Okay. Okay, right there. Yeah. Okay. It says that it is located at the at the hill up the hill in a in an indigenous settlement where indigenous live. Let me see. Okay, 150, 150 latitude, uh, 324,600 south north. Longitude, okay. 520, 950 west east. Okay, thank you, Mariella. Thank you, You're thank welcome. you, Ray. Okay, everybody, so you see we're working with real science, scientific information here that has not made a tie-in to our little bit of verbal information from Mariella's friend about the lunar calendar eclipse. So we, mm -hmm. I know I can't keep saying it enough, but I feel like we have something undiscovered, unknown. I mean, if it's reclaiming ancient knowledge from the past, from the Baduka's ancient knowledge, and so be it. How awesome, right? So this is what we're going to continue on. And I know we're pushing on two hours. Um, Ray, would you flash the natural physics website up to everybody that you were so nice to do at the end of the last episode so that people start asking us questions? Go to this website. You can address it to me, Mariella, whoever you want. Ask your, go to the contact page ask your question we're gonna figure out how to do it where you can do it live because i know people on facebook you can type in a question right during our live stream but we'll get it figured out how you can just pipe in a question a comment anything Leroy, you don't know what you're talking about dude you know anything right so <laughs> okay mariella in closing uh do you have anything in closing let's turn next next week please 
Okay, and everybody, you see the road we're continuing down. We have a true adventure of discovery, a true adventure of exploration and discovery on our hands. And it involves helping an indigenous peoples reclaim their knowledge, right? I mean, how cool is that? And as Mariella said, they may not even realize what a unique uh, part of their culture that they have, not only scientifically, but culturally. So you have this little bitty 10 hectare of land that testifies that for some reason, Costa Rica is special in all the world. Okay, so everybody, Mariella, thank you so much. Anything thank else you, in closing? You're welcome, Mary. Thank, oh, thank you. Anything, in, Ochevez, anything in closing, Mariella? <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everyone. All right, everybody, tune in next week as we continue our adventure of exploration and discovery. Same fat time, same fat channel.